everybody. This is Cheryl Todd from Gun Freedom Radio. And I am excited today to talk to two of my awesome friends at the same time. I have Patrick James. He is the president, creator, and founder of Cold Dead Hands, CDH Incorporated. He's an author. He's a gun enthusiast, an avid outdoorsman. And uh, he just spends as much time outside as he possibly can. So uh, I appreciate you being inside today for this. Patrick, welcome to the show. I'm usually captive. Thank you so much for, for having us on. And I'm usually captive to indoors. I really have to fight to be outdoors, unfortunately. I- I totally get that. And sitting next to him is John Britton. Uh, many of you know John as AKA Double Tap. And uh, he is the co-founder and COO of Cold Dead Hands. He is an avid student of human nature, American history, and philosophy. Welcome to the show, John. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. I am. Um, I was excited when I realized that there was a, a actual person behind all the really smart, really uh, history-based uh, posts that I was seeing on AKA Double Tap. And uh, then one day, I don't know how it came about, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is John Britton. Okay, you actually <laughs> looked this stuff up and, you know, it just kind of, it, it's so well done. And I want you guys to talk to me about Cold Dead Hands and how that came about. But um, the posts that I was seeing were so well thought out and so well organized. Um, I don't know. Somehow I felt like there was, a, you know, a team of people behind them. Um, and so I, I really appreciate that because you always cause me to stop and think. And I, I love that. Well, the reason for that also has a lot to do with how Cold Dead Hands came to be. You know, we, we built the Facebook page first. Basically, we did everything backwards from the way they say you're supposed to do things. <laughs> we, we built a Facebook page, and largely how we built it was interacting with our followers. You know, a lot of pages will post stuff up, people will comment on it, and that's kind of the end of it. You don't get a whole lot of interaction. And, you know, we started, Patrick started from the very beginning building it on the interaction. I built it solely from a Facebook page. Uh, one guy, one room, working 12 hours a day as a chef, coming home, responding to the customer, you know, to the to the people who who followed what we wrote, you know. And then I find this guy, the same way you found this guy, reading something that he wrote and said, "Hey, man, you want to join in?" And it, it's gone from there. I mean, it it was legitimately a, a, a not even a business idea, but just a, a suggestion from my friends. In fact, when they suggested, hey, man, I really like what you're writing about gun rights and personal rights and, and responsibilities. Why don't you start a Facebook page? I literally was like, I don't know what a page is. <laughs> I had an account and I, I'm like, I've got a page. That's what I'm doing here. And, and lo and behold, Cold Dead Hands, of course, was, you know, the avid gun guys go to every time we thought about Charlton Huston and, and what the resolve would be to take our, our guns from our hands and it just grew. And that, that, that well thought, thought out portion comes from a lot of hours debating people in the comments. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's another thing that we do differently than a lot of pages. We very rarely ban people unless they just get completely out of hand. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, actually debating them not only strengthens our positions, but it gives people who read the comments both sides of the argument so they can actually decide for themselves who makes the better argument. Yeah, we're kind of the referees. <laughs> I know, love that. As long as you can keep your comments civil, yes, you can continue commenting. Yeah. Uh, the only thing we do then is the repeated drive-by leftists mm. who just repeat the same thing over and over and over, eventually beating up on them isn't mm. fun anymore or doesn't build threads. Although we do also have a lot of anti-gun liberal top fan followers. So. Absolutely. Well, because I think that people really do have a, a hunger for true conversation like well here's what i'm thinking and i'm open to now also hearing what you're thinking there's a huge portion of people out there that all they want to do is talk at you right mm -hmm. those drive-bys they just want to talk at you they're never going to receive um or even give you the honor of taking time to consider what you're saying mm -hmm. um but but let's constantly you know, serve the people who really are open to um, constructive conversation. And I applaud you both for doing that. And um, that was one of the things that I thought was an interesting kind of juxtaposition in my mind, because I'm thinking, you know, the, the name of your brand and your website is kind of this aggressive, cold, dead hands, right? <laughs> and then yet you're your conversation, your the threads that I see happening on social media are, you know, very conversational and very open to, you know, get the give and the take and the back and the forth. And so I think that also kind of made me like lean in a little bit more like, okay, what, when's the shoe coming down? When's that hammer coming down? It, I know it's coming down because the name of their thing is cold dead hands, but I think possibly, and you can tell me, maybe that's just more of a position of, Look, I'm not I'm not willing to compromise on my rights, but I can have a conversation with somebody. A exactly. Absolutely with somebody right. That disagrees. Yeah, the, the name very much is a a statement of resolve. It is, and it's for all our rights. It's not. It's not. And when we talk rights, we're talking our natural creator bestowed unalienable rights that our founders talked about and created the Bill of Rights for us for. That's a government protection. Mm -hmm. Our resolve is you can't have my free will, my free association. You can't have my right to self-defense, my life. You can't have my pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. You can't have those liberties. And our resolve is you can't have them. And our Second Amendment is the emphasis upon that that makes us different because we can protect those rights. Mm -hmm. And our resolve is how far we're willing to go with that. And we don't. And, and we never have, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, John. Uh, we often do this with each other, but <laughs> the reality is we do not endorse insurrection or or a type of physical violent revolution, and we never have. And we actually spend a lot of time talking people off that ledge. <laughs> so it doesn't that doesn't end well for anyone. The no. government doesn't end well for the government. It doesn't end well for the people. Right. And, and but we, you know, when it, when it comes to protecting your rights. You have your life, you have your liberty, you have your property, your pursuit of happiness, but you don't truly have anything unless you can protect and defend it. You have a resolve. I mean, somebody can come and take your life, they can come and take your liberty, they can come and take your property, 
unless you're able to protect and defend it. That's right. where the Second Amendment comes in. And, you know, the, the saying is as old as I am, you know, the, the second protects the first and everything else in there. So. Absolutely. That's, so, that's what we teach. Training. Training is our key. We, we teach training. Now, we, do you, We're not you, instructors ourselves. We, we both could be instructors if we wanted to. It's a, it's a time management thing for us, so we endorse other instructors. Mm-hmm. But I teach people, or I, 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 when I talk to people, when I write, it is about train, 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 train. When you think you've trained enough, train some more because you have it. It really is about the training. And you're talking about like training with an actual firearm out on the range? I'm talking about training from everywhere, from your brain, which is the very most important training aspect, situational awareness. That that really becomes the the major. I mean, if we're sending, uh, uh, I had to send my head in and have to, she chose. My 30-year-old stepdaughter decided she wanted to live in Austin instead of here in the rural country. And I was not happy with that so i taught her a lot about situational awareness and for those who don't know austin is the san francisco of texas it is now she loves it (laughs) she loves the atmosphere and that's great but i wouldn't send her down there not prepared with yes and of course i trust her because she is a very strong uh 30 year old woman so she you know she's not she's not you're not gonna pull the wool over her eyes yeah. I've told her all the time, if you're walking across, you know, if you're leaving a bar, you're leaving a club or you're leaving someplace and it's dark on one side and light on the other, cross that street, get to the light and walk in the light and walk in the dark. But yeah, yeah, training is a broad spectrum. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's mental training, it's physical training, it's hand-to-hand, self-defense, as well as firearm training. Yeah, our firearm is the last and ultimate resort. And we, we tell people all the time, because invariably anti-gun people will say, well, what about this situation? And what about that situation? A gun is not a magic talisman. It doesn't ward off evil. It just gives you a fighting chance when you do have to face evil. Well, and, and it, it is just, it's another tool in the toolbox. Exactly. You know, we, we sell defensive pens. This is just another tool in the toolbox I go nowhere with. I'm a writer. I'm a businessman. I don't go anywhere without a pen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to carry a pen that I can use in a situation. I, I don't you know. I, I often carried big pens or, or cheap pens, but I switched over to a pen that could be a dual use pen and a DNA collector if I need it to be. Mm-hmm. For sure that. All right. So cold dead hands, what I have written here, you tell me if I've written it right. It is a, <laughs> it is a website. It's, it's a brand, but it's also a website where people can actually go and it's designed to educate, to motivate, and to advocate for citizens' Second Amendment rights and liberty from the bottom up rather than the top down. Right. And that's well, part, the of, part of the problem that we've seen with, with advocacy in general is people are willing to, to write a check, but not willing to go to a Senate hearing, or yeah. not willing to go to a town hall meeting, or not willing to school board meeting. School board, or, or just not willing to open carry versus concealed carry, and you know it's there's so many things that the people can do themselves that is way more effective than anything any lobbyist can do. Mm-hmm. But it takes time, effort, and energy. It takes education and it takes motivation to get out there and be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to provide. 
It does in the limited type that our government wants us to approach it in. Mm -hmm. We see this when we go and testify, say in Austin on a state issue in Texas. If there's four or 500 people and everybody has two minutes, they're a little bit burdened at having to give everybody their two minutes to speak. If there was 500,000 standing at the front door of the Capitol wanting their two minutes to speak, it'd be a little different if there were 2 million standing at the state Capitol wanting their two minutes, it would be significantly different. Mm -hmm. and, and what that does is it allows us the opportunity in mass to learn what we need to do and facilitate those changes in mass. Yeah. And, and it doesn't take as much time as the individual would take normally. It also gets us away from the government regulations that 501c4 corporations actually have. They, there, there are a lot of regulations. One of the reasons I went with a for-profit style company is because unapologetically the government, I will say what I want mm -hmm. against the government and you can't tell me exactly what I can and can't say. I talked to my lawyers about 501c3, 501c4, and both, all of my lawyers sitting down at a table said, man, you'd have to be very careful with what you say. Mm -hmm. Right. It'll be on your butt every time you open your mouth and say you can't vote for that politician, you can't vote for that bill, you can't do these things. I, I'm, I'm not going to be constrained in that manner. I'm yeah. Not I'll pay my taxes as a for-profit corporation, and I will say what is right and just for the people. Well, I love that. And um, also, I think that it's important that you do say what you think you should say, because the messaging is like this never ending tidal wave of nonsense and garbage that just gets metronomed, right? Just Absolutely. over and over and over again repeated and you can switch stations and oh there's that exact same phrase again switch stations oh there's that exact same phrase again and so when people want to stand up for the rights or they they feel like well in my bones I agree with shall not be infringed period end of story walk away the second amendment is the second amendment and we're done in my bones I feel that but I don't I don't know how to push back with words on this tidal wave of nonsense because we're being told, well, it's common sense. Mm -hmm. And clearly you don't have common sense if you don't agree with me that we can infringe on our rights or it's for the children. Don't you understand? Right. And we're saying you do that voice well, because that's, that's the average <laughs> voice that's used. <laughs> well, we hear it, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you, you do that well. And so for, for us, and for you guys to be able to say, yeah, I agree with you. It is for the children, yep. right? Or somebody says, I just want to feel safer. Well, me too. And part of feeling safer is standing up for my rights, training myself with lethal and non-lethal uh, force, right? Yep. So yeah, we agree on this part. Now, the road you take and the road I take are different. Um, and so to be able to empower people with not only some some words some verbiage but also your example to say i'm not a stark raving crazy man right or woman i've i've got well, this as far as you know as far as you know right and and if, I am, and if i am you should probably also be ready trained and armed just in case because you don't know who you're going to run into like the same reason we wear our seat belts is we don't know if we're going to get in an accident that's right 
right? Well, you know, all accidents. We, we've been trying to get constitutional carry passed here in Texas. You know, believe it or not, Texas does not have constitutional carry unless you're a criminal. Criminal, criminals constitutional carry every day. There you because go. Because by law, criminals do not obey laws. Only the law abiding do. Oh, and they carry in gun-free zones too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to kind of dig into and, and kind of, you know, hash around a little bit. In the last couple of weeks, we've had examples of mass murder. Okay, so even saying mass murder, that's a, that's a subjective term. We call it a mass murder be, because the FBI said, well, if four or more people are murdered in the same incident, then we call it technically mass murder, unless you're in Chicago. Then nobody calls it anything, right? right. Yeah, so, it quantified. Well, yeah, they call it Saturday. They call it Saturday. You're right. The weekend. Right. Um, so we have uh, the guy in Gilroy who yep. uh, he bought his gun legally, but then yep. he did a bunch of illegal things with it. The yep. guy in El Paso, Texas, he bought his gun legally and then did a bunch of illegal things with it. Then we had uh, Ohio bought it legally, did a bunch of illegal things. Then we could barely catch our breath. And then there's this situation in Philadelphia where this guy couldn't have bought his gun legally because he had lost his rights. He was a felon, right? So, but he still had the gun. So he had it illegally and did a bunch of illegal things with it. So as long as we were over on this side of the news cycle, people are yelling and screaming, we need more, whatever. I don't know. Now stop the violence. Right. Right. And then we're over here and it's like, oh, well, I don't know what to say, but we probably need more laws. <laughs> right. And so I'm saying we had people who purchased legally. We had somebody who purchased or stole illegally. Right. The same remedy is being suggested, just more, more laws, more laws, more laws. And I'm thinking, you know, wouldn't this right there tell any logical person that let's say all of those guys broke 20 laws. Is there a 21st law that is suddenly uh, in, in the minds? Yeah, there will be in the government. When you, when we ask the government to keep us safe, there'll be more than 21 laws. There'll be more than 20,000 laws. There'll be more than 200,000 laws because the majority of the people are saying we want to be safe. You need to protect us. And the reality is it is our responsibility to create our safety, our safe space, our, our, our safe zones. It's our responsibility. One of my favorite lines is the most dangerous phrase in the American language is there ought to be a law mm. because right. you know, you go back to the, the founders, they, Simplicity. The, the Constitution is not very long. It's simple. It, it's very simple, to the point. It enumerates exactly what the federal powers are. It enumerates what rights are protected against federal infringement. The whole nine yards. A simple document. Keep it simple, stupid. And but we, you get into the point. Guns are a prime example. People don't want to accept responsibility. 
and they're more than willing to defer that responsibility to the government in exchange for some of their liberty, you know. And uh, in order to do that, they can't look at the black and white of rights and responsibilities. They have to find that gray area, you know. You got to keep the guns out of the hands of criminals. Exploit the gray area. You, you got you got to protect the children. I have to feel safe. None of those are a right or a responsibility. You either accept your rights and the responsibilities that go with them, or you relinquish your rights and the responsibilities that go with them. That's the only option there is. Our founders told us all of this. <laughs> they, they did, but our, but it seems as though over the years, people have been given different definitions or different explanations as to what they created. And a lot of that was through that insertion of progressivism. When you look, and, and I, I'll, I'll briefly, I'll talk about Wilson. Wilson came in and what he said to the people was, do not read the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. If you read to the Constitution. The, no, to the Declaration no. of Independence. He did not want he, he said, think of us as a collective people. Do not think of yourself as individuals. Think as a collective. And and strip off the preamble that talks about our natural inherent unalienable rights. Mm -hmm. About everybody working together with that. And that was the insertion of that progressivist socialized style movement. And through that insertion, you would get one administration after another that was like, no, we're going to we, But they didn't actually tear down the laws and statutes of each previous administration. So they layered that on top of each other. And what you got is a muddied down version of what our founders intended. And that's what we have today. It's muddied down. They don't want to repeal past laws. They want to leave them on the books and pass new ones to layer on top of them because it's more expensive to repeal than it is to just say, all right, we're just going to, we're going to write another law over we're, top of we're this gonna, one. We're going to just keep piling it on and piling it on and then let the regulators sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> so you come on down the road, 80, 90, a hundred years and suddenly you you do something wrong, maybe it's a fractional misdemeanor style wrong, and somebody at the prosecutor's office says, yes, but 80 years ago, mm -hmm. this was a felony, <laughs> we're going to charge you, and you're like, oh, wait a second, seriously? I mean, how many times have you seen those websites about crazy laws that are quote-unquote still on the books? Lee laws? Oh, let's face it. I mean, there are so many laws that are still on the books that people don't even realize that they're just minuscule, but if they were brought up and then charged with them, they wouldn't be as minuscule. Right. So they're, the, they're the still there. What's that? I said they're still there, yeah. and that's the whole point. Right. And so, so people like you and I, we are law-abiding citizens. So we educate Actually, ourselves as you? much as we can. Right. I mean, maybe not. Are you a law-abiding Are they trying to change the definition of what law-abiding actually means? I think so through intrinsic laws and, and very restrictive laws. They can simply say, well, none of you are law-abiding any longer because you don't. We don't. We speed. We do this. We do that. We and, don't and not only that, the laws. how many people, even Supreme Court justices, actually know all the laws that are on the books? If you don't know and understand 
every law on the books, then you cannot be law-abiding because you have no clue whether you're law-abiding or not. Certainly, yeah, but, but ignorance of the law is no excuse, yet the law is so convoluted and so voluminous yeah. uh -huh. that uh, you can't be anything but ignorant of the law. <laughs> well, and the people that, that uh, are huge fans of piling laws on top of laws generally tend to not be huge fans of um, Christianity. But of course, right now in my mind, I'm like, all have uh, fallen short in the sight of God, right? <laughs> so it's like, we know we're sinners. We get that. But uh, as far as man's law, we're doing our best to uh, traverse the laws. We're trying to not yeah. step on any of those landmines and break any laws. We don't want and, to be infringers. Right. Infringers of personal rights. Right. And so uh, the, the bad guys that they keep trying, they, they tell us that's the reason for the laws is the bad guys. They're just going to keep barreling through life like a, a bull in a china shop. And then if they do happen to end up with handcuffs on them, well, now the government's got this big stick that they can beat them with six ways to Sunday. And they still get out with no bail in Chicago, you know, uh, right away and back on the streets to do more bad the next day it's like yeah. the old thing it's only illegal if you get caught right exactly <laughs> but but that's not the way that we behave right, right? and We're so when we say when we say that you know these new background checks or these red flag guns all these new laws that we just have to have they are only going to negatively impact people who are trying to be law-abiding citizens, that's, I think, what we're trying to say. And, and it's starting to sound like a cliche, you know, like that it's not, you know, the, the gun that kills a person, it's a person that kills a person. That has been said so many times. It's, it's no less true than it was the first time it was said, right. but it just starts ringing hollow in people's minds. And, you know, the other side, they just slap some new emotional phrase out there and, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. I feel it, you know. And, the, and that's the that's the double-edged sword of cliches. You know, it didn't become a cliche unless it has some truth Validity. to bear the repeating as often as it needed to be to become a cliche. Mm -hmm. But yet once it becomes a cliche, it's all of a sudden that truth is yeah. dismissed yeah. as cliche. Well, it's <laughs> like it's like the good guy with a gun cliche. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I try to tell people this, listen, the, re the reality is the only thing that, that can defeat evil is a good person who is present, willing, and able to stand up against it with equal or greater force. Mm -hmm. That is it. Now, it could be paid professionals. I was first responder, firefighter, mm -hmm. EMT. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked with law enforcement on a regular basis. I, I trained with law enforcement and their SWAT tactical teams. The, the reality is whether I'm paid to be there or whether I'm not paid to be there, if I am present and I am willing mm -hmm. and able, I can stand in, def in defense of innocence. Mm -hmm. That is what a good guy with a gun means. And it is no less important, no more cliched. It is a reality that people have to understand. They may not be present at a mass shooting mm -hmm. or they may not be willing to stand up it might be a tactical reason it may be 
they want to. I mean, all, all types of people carry. They may want to. There's a lot of guys out there that when, when I was professional would call Ricky Rescues all the time. They want to be a hero. They want to be in the news. They want to save lives. And there's value in that. The guy's got heart. Yes. Doesn't mean he's going to respond. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's going to act. It doesn't mean. I have been many times in a burning building with my second man on the hose turned around and my guy was gone. And I'm there in a burning house by myself. Oh, wow. It is what it is. Some people are destined to do things. Mm-hmm. And they don't. That's just who they are. They're servants. Mm-hmm. They are there to defend. Some people want to be. Some people are actually born into it when they are in the furnace. Mm-hmm. They are forged at that moment. And they realize this is what I'm born to do. Mm-hmm good guys, good women, good people that are present at the moment mm-hmm. and they are willing and able are the only thing that will stand up to it and defend it. Absolutely. And so that kind of takes us to the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, John, you had written uh, kind of a five point or however many points you had there response to some smarmy comment somebody made about, well, after um, Philadelphia, when it took like 50 police officers to finally take down this one uh, bad guy with a gun, I guess we can completely dismiss that good guy with a gun theory. And, um, you know, I thought that I was kind of in that place where I said earlier, I know that's not right, but I, I need to sit and think about it a while to try to put words around why that smarmy phrase is completely wrong. And you did a great job of debunking it. Can, can you guys dive into that for me? Well, it, like I put in that post, you know, the way people react of <laughs> civilians versus, or an armed citizen, because police officers are civilians too, by the way, but an armed citizen versus a police officer. A police officer in a mass shooting situation, for example, they have a, a measured approach. You know, they have to go in not knowing who's who. Mm-hmm. They have to separate the, the victims from the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. They have to evacuate the people who are, you know, what get them out of harm's way. And, but they're still, you know, their, their goal is to get to the person doing the shooting. Mm-hmm. So they're already split between trying to identify, trying to protect, evacuate, locate, and eliminate the target. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, they're scattered six different directions already. Mm-hmm. A, an armed citizen in a situation when it pops off like that, they know who the bad guy is. Mm-hmm. He's the one walking through the Walmart door spraying bullets out of an AK. Yes. You know, he's got one decision, fight or flight. If he's able to fight, then he's got another decision, kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, the reaction, the response of an armed citizen in a situation like that is very survival oriented, very immediate, and very lethal. Mm-hmm. The police, on the other hand, like I said, they're trying to save lives. And in the end, they're trying to bring the guy in alive. You know, if they if they just went in like well, Dayton, Ohio is a prime example. The guy that did the shooting in Dayton, there were police right there when he started shooting. They responded within seconds. Mm-hmm. The same way 
an armed citizen would. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have to separate the, the perpetrator from the victims. They saw the guy with a the gun, they returned fire, mm-hmm. which is exactly what a citizen would do if they were armed and, like Patrick said, present, willing, and able. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to compare a measured police response that's taken into account, you know, innocent lives, property, containment, identification, the whole nine yards, to what an armed citizen in the moment can do is two completely different things. But in that same, you know, one guy versus 50 police officers, <laughs> there's, there's another layer to that where people say that, you know, there's no reason why anybody should have an AR-15. You know, what's an AR-15 going to do against the government? Well, one guy with an AR-15 just helped <laughs> cops it back. Well, yeah. <laughs> now, part, now, now, part of that is it's not all the gun. There, part of that, part of that is their measured response. Right. And part of that is him being barricaded, and yeah. part of that is him ambushing the officers after they had already come in and served their warrant and already had two or three people in custody, as I understand. Yes. We, we, so we saw they, that comment frequently. So you know, it it was it was an ambush, and it was it's a combination of things. But still, you have the one guy with a assault rifle holding off 50 police yet you know what's your assault rifle going to do against the government those those two don't judge any more than it does comparing a civilian response to a police response in a mass shooting the reality of of that that scenario and i i I like to 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 use that is one we've all the, the the people have already tagged ars as as bad they tagged them as the equivalent of military they're not they never have been they're semi-automatic uh just like any other hunting rifle out there is the platform better than some sure is it worse than others sure we can say that um why do we need them do we need them to defend against a government you know is that a possibility is that a realistic understanding sure but it's not a military weapon and a lot of people say well you would never stand a chance you're just a person against the government mm-hmm. what we're talking about when we talk about the government this is what i like to illustrate to people you are talking about we the people that swore an oath to our constitution right that's the military that's the government you're talking about mm-hmm. that's the military and the police do you understand that these men are we the people mm-hmm. so when you're talking about you don't stand a chance about against the government. You're talking about we don't stand a chance against politicians mm. or we don't stand a chance against our military because the military is 95% we the people. So if, if you thought you were going to do something against the innocent people of our country, 95% of the military is going to say, yeah, no, that ain't going to happen. And, oh, do you realize that this military base we're on, 95% of us, are saying to you 5%, it's not likely you're gonna make us use this equipment. And mm-hmm. since you can't use it yourself because there's only 5% of you, we're gonna put you in the brig and 95% of us are gonna take this 100% of the equipment and stand up for our we the people. Boy, That's really the reality of it. From your lips to God's ears, and I can only hope because when people are putting out there on social media and stuff about, oh, it's time for the next civil war and sign me up. I'm like, we are so soft. We are so lazy. I, I mean, don't say beginning. stuff unless you mean it. 
right? Well, we, well, we, like we've I been said, in a cold civil war for at least 50 years now. Sure, yes. Like I said in the beginning, a violent, physical revolution, nobody wins in that. Right. Nobody. Right. And, no, and I, that's what we teach. That's that's what we preach. Nobody wins in that. I we agree. are in a revolution, but it's by the pen, by the voice. Yes, and I, I definitely don't disagree with that. And I think that, um, you know, part of that, that soft and that lazy comes from a lack of truly understanding what our founding fathers faced, the odds they were up against, that they didn't have anybody to call for help, you know, or get their government check to be sure they had a, a meal at the end of the month. None of that. They had to say individually, me, myself, I am willing to go to the mats to, you know, sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice and my families. Because if I am found out a traitor, guess what? They're not going to just stop at me. I mean, it's complicated in all things, right? I mean, there's complications to how do we prevent violence? There's complications on on how do we become more responsible? How do we become more self-reliant? And, and at the end of the day, personal responsibility takes time effort. It's a time effort thing. And, and most of us are busy. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, minimum, minimum. Most people are like, no, you don't listen. And the reality of it, when you build something around social media, you're actually working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, because my phone is my access port. So wherever I'm at, I'm working. Yes. And and, and the reality is, do I have time to do a four day thousand round training course every other month? No. (laughs) And not to mention how expensive that can be. So now we have to balance that all out. And, and that's, I think, where most people are like, oh, I try to be as responsible as I can be, but I've got four kids at home. Mama's hungry. I'm running over here. I need to stop at the gym, but guess what? The gym's going to have to wait because I forgot something at Walmart, yeah. and I need to get home because the kids are crying. Yeah. That's the reality of most everyday life. That's Go to work come home. I try to take care of everything here. I try to, man, the car's breaking down. I got to take it in to get an oil change because it's 3,000 miles overdue. <laughs> and I need to go shoot my weapon because I haven't had time. And yes. that's not even getting into town hall meetings, school board meetings, exactly. you know, Senate hearings, writing letters, making phone calls, you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to get in earlier when we were talking about how effective the people can be at advocacy, mm-hmm. think of any issue in recent history where the switchboards in Washington, D.C. got shut down by people calling in. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't happen often, but mm-hmm. when it does, whatever that issue is, it's solved. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's, it's either passed or it's dead on the water. You know, when they start shutting down switchboards and overloading email servers, that's when they're listened to. Even even when you can't even get through to speak, you're being heard. Right. <laughs> so it's, problems. It's, it's not always being there physically. Sometimes it is an email. Sometimes it is a phone call. Sometimes mm-hmm. it requires 
standing on the steps of the Capitol, you know? Well, I have to share this um, story with you. Uh, because of some of the speeches that I've made and that sort of thing, um, the, the Trump for Victory campaign had reached out and wanted me to help organize, you know, some speaker events and that sort of thing. And um, there was some there was some movement on that. Like I was like, that's exciting. That's a good idea. I know a bunch of people, let's get it together. And then the, uh, the, the murders happened and president Trump said some things that were like, I'm sorry, what? Like, uh, you're proud of the bump stocks decision. You're proud of the suppressor decision. Um, you said, let's take the guns. And then, um, and this was before later. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, the people that I wanted to have come speak were like, I will not have a career on the other side of this. If I right now stand up and say, Hey, this is the guy to vote for. We understand that, you know, the, the Democrats that are up there on the stump right now, there's no way we can vote for any of them. If our lane is the second amendment, but we can't with a straight face say, yeah, but this guy's solid, right? <laughs> Until he has a, you know, usually he'll say something and then later he'll come back and go, he doesn't say, yeah, I, I misspoke, but he, you know, he cleans it up. So I told them right now is probably not the best time. And they said, I get that. Let's give it a beat and, and we'll come back and visit it. And I said, but here's something you need to really understand. The people that you want to show up and vote, we aren't the ones that get 10 neighbors and a sign and a silly pink hat on our head and go march down the road. We don't do that. We still communicate, but we communicate in other ways, like what I'm telling you right now, that people are backing off. They might just stay home. The things that are said on social media, I don't know how many of us are actually writing letters that we should, but I said, we just have a different communication style, but you need to listen. Right. If you're waiting for the, us, the, the biggest problem is, and you go all the way back to the, the first coining of the phrase, the silent majority, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. The silent majority gets the shaft yeah. every time. Yes. Well, except maybe at the ballot box. That's the only place where the silent majority has any power. But once you elect somebody, it's the squeaky wheels that steer them around once they're in office. Well, and, and one of the things, are, are we Trumpsters? I am not a Trumpster. I would never profess to be a Trumpster. But I'm not a politician guy. Mm -hmm. So I will say that every politician says something wrong and says something right. So because of that, I will tell you what he says wrong and I will tell you what he says right and what he does right. Yes. But what we look at today is, I'll look back on my social media history. That's something that we do on a regular basis. We look at analytics. We look at all of those things. The week of Trump's election 2016, our page had 156 million views wow. in one week, the week of the election. 156 million, more than the voting population that voted Trump into office. We were effective in helping to let we the people decide who was going to be the president, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. Right. Who did they decide? 
they decided that Hillary was not going to be president. Right. Would they have chosen somebody other than Donald Trump if they had been viable? Likely. But Donald Trump got the nod. Yes, he did. And I like Donald Trump because Donald Trump, if everybody out there thinks that Donald Trump crafts every one of his tweets, <laughs> they're crazy. This is a CEO, multi-billionaire. This man, what he does is calculated. Everything is calculated. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's doing right now is he is calculating. He has been attacked by the media and the leftist agenda for the almost, well, for the entire time he's mm -hmm. been in office. He has got to create a smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. so he can actually do something. Yeah. So if it's a few words over here in a tweet and you guys have lost your mind over these few words in a tweet, so be it. You are really not valuable people if this over here has got you tweet. <laughs> Sticks yeah. and stones might hurt your bones, but these words, they're never going to hurt you. Yeah. I'll give you a prime example. You know, when the, the red flag laws first came up, mm -hmm. that's when he made the comment, you know, take the guns first, due process later. Mm -hmm. Now, you list, nothing ever went anywhere of that, but now the conversation of red flag laws, what's the one thing they put front and center every time they bring up red flag laws? Yeah. Due process. Due process. Well, due process. Health, mental health and due process. Yep. So the leftists, oh, mental health. We got to do something with mental health. And, and the rights are saying, well, wait about the due process. Can't do that. <laughs> but then Trump puts out a tweet going after, what was it, Chris Costas? No. no. Yeah. Oh, Cuomo. Come Cuomo. Yeah. Saying he should be red flagged. That tweet was the perfect illustration of everything that is wrong with the red flag law. Exactly. And some people are saying, well, he did that on purpose. And I'm like, I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but it helped me to craft a message for my listeners and my followers to be able to say, see, this is how, how it can be misused right there. Now, you know, some people will write that off as, you know, Trump's just all over the map. Some people will write it off as Trump's playing three-dimensional chess, you know. But regardless is, if you look at his record, with the exception of the bump stock ban and the silencer issue, you still got the same guns you had before he was elected. They're not banned. They're no further restricted than they were. You know, he's pushed for things like, you know, nationwide concealed carry. We would prefer national constitutional carry, but it's a start, you know. Well, what I would prefer is recognition of our Second Amendment right, mm -hmm. nationally. Mm -hmm. That's what I would prefer, not a federal constitutional carry reciprocity garbage. <laughs> what I would like is I, as a law-abiding citizen, have a right to protect myself anywhere. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. And that's the thing when people are like, yeah, but states' rights, you can't have national reciprocity because of state rights. It's like, yeah, but the individual, the rights of the individual far outweigh all of that, which, by the way, those rights came from God. Well, so, first off, we talk about states' rights. Right. The states do have rights, but when they entered into a more perfect union, we had a bill of rights that they had to agree upon to protect the individuals. So these are uninfringible by government persecution of any type. 
Mm-hmm. Not, to mention, matter, not to mention California. the fact that almost every state has an arms provision in its own state constitution, yeah. mm-hmm. with the exception of five. They have to recognize our rights. It doesn't matter. Now, if they want to say, if you drive, which isn't a right, driving a car is not a right, we can walk where we want to go. We can use a horse where we want to take it. If you're driving a vehicle and you're licensed, you're under state regulations. If they want to say you're going to drive 55, that's okay. That's all right for that state to do that. But if they want to say you've got to jump through a bunch of hoops to have that gun that is actually guaranteed to you by the Constitution, they don't have a right actually to control that. It's not really in their rights. Amen and amen. All right. Well, I've kept you guys longer than I had planned to, but I do want to talk about both of your books. So somehow when you're doing all that stuff you said and the oil needs change and you got to stop back by Walmart, all that stuff, you both found time to write books, separate books. Um, Who do we have here? This is John's Gun Sense, Past, Present, and Future. Tell us a little bit about that. That actually started out as a, a collection of articles I had written for the Cold Dead Hand, Hands page. And uh, I started sensing a theme in a lot of the articles that I was writing. So I put it all together into a book. I, I call it a book, but it's more of a pamphlet. It's 30-ish pages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I modeled it after Common Thomas Sense, Payne. Thomas Paine, Common Sense. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, course using the word gun sense was a play on the demanding moms you know who want hashtag gun sense <laughs> so moms demand action and, and know, some, some unnamed we don't know what action they're just demanding it i, demanding it. I, I still say that sounds like a 70s porn but it, it does. anyway and <laughs> <laughs> i will now but, uh, you know, that's what that was. It, it, it's a look at, at the past, what the founder's intent was, what we've gone through with gun control, and, you know, what it's looking like in the future. And the future, of course, depends on where we go today in regulation and laws or the, re- the repeal thereof. So Yeah, we're, we're for repealing laws anyway, it's by like, the way. It's like I always say. The 34, we wouldn't need a suppressor's hearing protection act if they repealed in effect. You're right. Right. But, you know, when people say, do you need this, you know, AR-15, AK-47? No, in my daily life, I don't need it. But I can see in my children or my grandchildren's future where they might actually have a need for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be the one that denies them that need mm-hmm. just out of my own convenience or discomfort today <laughs> right so well, you know, again it's it's the bill of rights not the bill of needs so absolutely and one thing that's interesting is you know they're the whole background check they want universal background checks now and they weren't even a thing until the 90s right and so when did all the craziness start was it before we had background checks or oh, after? It, it, it's so been, are they it's really working yeah. What's that? Well, and this is another thing, I, you know, everybody's talking about mental health. Oh, that's a big buzzword. Hey, mental health, mental health. We don't want to have mentally unstable people having firearms. The reality is the mental health that we're talking about has been studied from so many different angles 
that even the professionals who are dictating what is is literally the you you have mental health issues you don't they can't decide if Freud was right or Jung was right mm -hmm. total, exactly. total opposites of the spectrum because they're theories see we're exactly. smart enough to know that it's a theory so and, and what happens with theories is they continue to evolve Yes. If we allow the government to start writing laws based on mental health, those theories will evolve and become even more restrictive. Yes. And before you know it, more people will be tagged mentally ill because it's easy to continue to evolve and, the theory. You know, you talk about background checks being a thing, weren't even a thing until the 90s. Oh, you know what else came about that time? You got the 24-hour news cycle. You got the internet. Yeah. And not long after that, the birth of social media yeah. and all of these, well, the 15 minutes of fame mentality. Yeah. No, you're Instagram exactly famous, right. The yeah. YouTube famous, you know, all yeah. of these things, all of these things play into the thought processes of somebody who wants to go out in a blaze of glory and, and be famous or infamous, you know, whether they, they go out that way or they get arrested. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, there's, right. there's a notoriety that comes with it and it's not, it's not movies. It's not video games. You know, I, I, I remember when Dungeons and Dragons was turning all of our children into Satan worship. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't let my little brothers play that because I was thinking the same thing back then. Yeah, I, right. I mean, kids, I, you know, I figured it out now. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not still cuckoo bird. That <laughs> music books you know i say well we, you know everybody's like we got to ban all these things and i'm like do you realize that they said that about books Fahrenheit three, 451 years ago yeah. as they evolved it music mm -hmm. music's been said you name it Every, everybody wants to place blame that, nobody wants to take responsibility that's the truth and that's what it all boils down to in the end Exactly. You know, they they want to blame government for not controlling guns. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to blame the mental health system for not taking care of mentally ill people. They want to blame video games and movies. And yeah, I mean, everybody's got a finger to point, but every time they point that finger, they got three more pointing right back at them. That's the way society gears up right now and all the responsibilities that people already have day to day to actually supporting their families and, and actually living life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take, many straws from the time you leave home to the time you get back to your home doesn't take many straws to make you break down mm. just doesn't i mean the movie falling down with michael douglas is a prime example it's a prime example of what that looks like today yeah. when i walk into a gun shop i can buy by the time i get back home i might not have been able to pass that mental health background check <laughs> it's just the reality of it it's unfortunate to say those things but it is the reality. And, and so what does stop that yeah. person willing, present at that moment, yeah. willing and able. And now it may not be a gun, right? Right. It may only be, I'm going to talk you off the ledge today, brother. Yes. That's it. Absolutely. I'm not going to have to shoot you. Right. As Maybe. long as you're not shooting other people, I don't have to shoot you. Let's talk about it. And after you up there. And even if it does involve a gun, most defensive gun uses don't involve the gun being fired. Merely mm -hmm. having it or brandishing it is usually enough to defuse whatever situation is going on. Well, I was a first responder. I mean, I was I, I was an EMT, so I learned to talk. 
everybody yes. needs to learn how to talk and have some empathy towards what everybody's going through. It's yeah. not easy. It's not yeah. easy to have empathy. But the fact of the matter is, whatever's happening here is yeah. real to them. It's true. And an act of uncommon kindness is it can go a long way. I, there was a commercial playing on TV. I think it was from the Pass It On folks or something that, um, you know, it, I think it showed both ways, you know, something bad happened and then it just spiraled and got worse and worse. And then it was like, but then somebody decided, well, they were going to do something good. And then it just floated through the air. And then everybody, you know, when the, the next person they encountered, you know, they acted kindly towards them. And it's like, man, what, what a different world we would live in if, if that were the case. And in, in day-to-day people-to-people, I feel like that's, that's possible and I see it happen. Then you get on Twitter and it's like, what kind of nasty third level of hell is this? You know, why? And that's the problem. We're all connected like this but we have far fewer connections like this. Yes. Well, and the fact of the matter is another, you know, one of those beat up cliches is if you want peace, prepare for war. Mm. That's a cliche now. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it's so, it it is like John said, a cliche becomes a cliche because it's repeated, not because it's false, but because it's true. Yeah. You want to have a good vacation. You need to plan your vacation and plan the things you need to take for your vacation. And if you have children or grandchildren or whatever, if you don't take the right things for their enjoyment, your enjoyment isn't going to be possible. (laughs) So if we plan for peace. Yeah. In that moment that peace isn't going to happen. We are prepared to defend our peace. Or you're in a garden and a gardener in a war. Yeah, no doubt. And then uh, I just want to wrap up talking about uh, Patrick's book, A Frail, and so perfect, the segue, A Frail New World, Digital Conspiracy. Tell us. Yeah, it's a fictional thriller government conspiracy book. I Right before I started all this, which in, in turn, I haven't had a chance to write the the sequel to that book and have been asked many times to write it 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 basically takes the the digital age and the brainwashing initiatives of the 50s by the cef the cia the mk ultras and it it basically takes an implant that that is you are able now to to track people you are the, the way that that my book describes it is you are able to use it for video and audio, you can talk like a cell phone. So you now they're putting it in military. So military has action plan right now, real time. So they're behind enemy lines. They know everything. You close your eyes, you get the maps. Mm. You hear them talking. You know exactly what to do, where to go, and how to get out. Mm. They, they, they move it through that to the people, and then they found a way to actually brainwash people into doing things with that implant. And you have the thesis, antithesis, of course, the government conspiracy and all the bad guys there. You have the good guys who stop that plan. And of course, it takes place during the transition from analog to digital. Yep. So the, the whole premise was is when they shut down this analog signal and they put this digital signal in, right here is where they put the software in that controls this device. Wow. That sounds really, really interesting and just maybe a little bit too true. I don't know. A little scary. You know, I've had a lot of people read it. I've sold a lot of copies of it. I haven't actually promoted it very much. 
Um, but the reality is, it's a good story overall. It, it presents a a kind of a. My, I, I am definitely a Christ-centric constitutionalist, so I follow the anti-federalist side, which I believe were more Christ follower versus the federalist side that was more church going mm-hmm. and, and, and more religious in their nature. Organized religious. Organized religious, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reality is it, it, it presents three different people on the hero side of that story that have varying degrees of their Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And then it presents a couple of bad guys over here that has been extorted or beaten down by the by people and so it kind of presents a lot of different and i i don't go into massive vivid detail but i i create a pretty good scenario around each very descriptive in, in how the scenarios play out so very cool something that back burner fun stuff for me i've got a couple that are in the works as far as nonfiction, as john did but again with what we do it just takes a lot of time to structure it all out find the time no, I definitely hear you there. Everybody talks about finding the money tree. I want to find the time tree. Like, yeah. <laughs> give me some more time. Well, um, I'll take the money tree too, but. Well, yeah. I mean, if I have to choose, I don't know, but. <laughs> I want time. Time is the thing I can't buy more of. I can have plenty of money, but I still can't buy more time. Amen. Well, guys. Not that I don't have it, but I want more that? Time. Not that I have the, 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 the money to buy the time. <laughs> None of us do, right? But um, speaking of time, thank you so much. You spent a lot of time here with me today, and I appreciate your time. It is your most valuable and finite resource. So um, we also like hearing ourselves talk. So, (laughs) (laughs) right? All right. Well, thank you guys so much again, Patrick. James, president, creator, and founder of Cold Dead Hands. John Britton, the co-founder and COO of Cold Dead Hands. You can follow them at colddeadhands.com. Dot U.S. Dot U.S. Colddeadhands. Dot U.S. Buy that handle on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, by their own names on both of those platforms. It looks like they both avoid Twitter. I wonder why, because it is the- I've tried. Oh, God, have I tried. It's (laughs) it's a time-consuming endeavor. So thank you again so much, and stick around, because there's always lots more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio.